Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 886 with Dina Sampson. I think that you should know what your deal breakers are. And one of our deal breakers for that restaurant was we needed that oven. We needed the best wood-burning pizza oven ever. And it's funny because Bill was like, you don't need it. We were like, no, we do. We do. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with Margin Edge. They will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail. Don't worry about tech integration either because Margin Edge allows you to seamlessly connect your POS and accounting systems and get a daily P&L. And on top of all of this, Margin Edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes. Plus, you can compare actual costs versus theoretical costs. Head to MarginEdge.com slash Unstoppable to sign up for a free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. No contract, no setup fee. Plus, you'll get free unlimited training and support. That's MarginEdge.com slash Unstoppable. Now, I know you know about Plate IQ, but do you know about Plate IQ's new spend management feature? Okay, let me tell you about it. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there's no credit check, no minimum bank balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, co-founder and owner of Rosa Blue and Superfine Pizza, Dina Sampson. Dina, are you feeling unstoppable today? Uh, I am. I mean, don't you have to be in this industry? (laughs) (laughs) You sure do, and I cannot wait to dive into your story. Uh, You're here because of Brittany uh, Valles called you out, and she's 
was so much fun. Such talk about unstoppable the the energy that lady has. Are you, she's right, insane. Right? She's insane. Oh my I mean, God. The, what she's been able to do at such a young age to me is just. You know, I know. Crazy. She kept on referring to herself as the old lady. She's like, "I'm an old lady now, 29 years old. I was 24 when I got started in this business. It was it was funny. She's she's a she's a good she's a good time. But she calls you out. That's why you're here. But before we dive into your story, uh, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Sure, sure. So my mantra. I say this to everybody, and so many people have taken this advice now. Take the meeting. Take the meeting. Hey, you're you're living proof of taking the meeting right now. Thank you for making time for us. But why is that your quote? Um, It's my quote because, you know, I think that you learn so much by meeting new people, no matter what it is. I mean, you can learn about a new way to do business. You can learn about who they know and like how you can be connected to them. I mean, in the end, this restaurant business is all about meeting people and, you know, taking care of people. Relationships. Relationships. That's exactly it. So I, I take every meeting. I, I really it. do. It's I crazy. It. Great way to get this thing started. Where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Where should we go to? Where, oh where does my this, gosh. this industry start for you? Or does it make sense to go even further back? You know, let's, I think let's go just a little further back, just from where I came from before I got into this industry. Because yeah. what I think is super interesting is, you know, a lot of people I think really focus on making money, mm-hmm. right? Like how can I make enough money and is it going to make me happy? And, you know, I think what um, happened for me was I was in the investment banking industry and hedge funds for a long time, like 15 years. I was in New York you know, you know, making the money, you know, doing the world travel, all that. And all of a sudden, I just thought to myself, you know what, this is not making me happy. Like there Why, has to be something what was more. It that wasn't fulfilling for you? What, what, what didn't you like? Yeah, you know, I guess just sitting at my desk. I mean, that's all I was doing, really sitting at my desk. I was, you know, of course, talking to the people in my office, but I never knew anyone outside of my office. I never made friends outside of my office. It was always just at my desk, you know, spreadsheets. It was uh, working from, you know, 7am to like midnight, you know, it just wasn't. And listen, we still don't do that in this industry, right? But you meet people. Yeah. In a 10 hour day yes. goes by like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you you know? look at the clock, it's like 5 p.m. and then like 30 seconds goes by and it's like 8 p.m. Like, oh, I got to start thinking about my side work to close. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just uh, decided, you know, I'm going to make a change. I yeah. didn't know what that change would be. Honestly, I just thought, okay, I have some money saved up. I'm going to go. I'm going to move back home to California, try and figure out what I want to do with my life. And. Here, I moved to L.A. I ended up actually getting a job in L.A. as a video game producer for a Wall Street-based video I was game. I that came after or before <laughs> no, the chief staff yeah, um, yeah. CFO. So, yeah. Okay. So you, you get into that a little bit. Yeah. So basically, I, did, I just moved to L.A. Um, I found a way to get here to stay in the finance industry, but to get a little bit more creative. And that was so exciting. So were you doing finance for video game producers? No. I was actually... It was a Wall Street-based video game that was going to be a virtual world, which now, you know, that's easy to do. But back then, yeah. would not when, easy. Let's, let's timestamp this, not to date you or anything. Oh, God. It was 2007? Okay. 2007. Yeah, 2007. So, 13 years ago. Yes. Or 15 years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow, is it really 15 years I know. Ago? Isn't that crazy? That's mad. <laughs> um, back to the finance world. Yes. Get into the details of the work you were doing. Sure. Like, you're looking at spreadsheets, but what, what were you trying to achieve? 
What was the, like the actual uh, work that you did? I mean, honestly, who knows? <laughs> that's, I guess <laughs> I that's the to point. Look busy. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the point. You know, you know what I did was um, one of my main jobs was um, just analyzing financial statements. That okay. was it. So I would look at. So I did. I, I did restaurants. Actually, funny enough, I did healthcare companies. Um, but then I really started to focus in on banks. So it was banks and mortgage companies. Uh, and that was with Morgan Stanley back in New York. So you're looking at financial statements for banks. Yes. Analyzing them, trying to figure out, should we buy, sell, you know, hold, that sort of situation. Okay. And it was, you know, it was very, very interesting. I mean, listen, th- that experience, all that finance experience obviously does really well for me here in the yeah, restaurant industry. Yeah, that's why I want yes. products. I'm curious to see, because I, I mean... Th- th- you can the, the restaurant industry is evolving so much. Yes, and you have to be so good at so many things today to be to be competitive. Absolutely, that you're seeing people from other walks of life, finance, engineers, fill in the blank, right, coming and doing really well. Yes. in this industry because where they came from gave them framework. To, to excel in this industry. Finance is definitely one of those areas. Definitely. Yeah. Another one that I see is, um, like I mentioned, um, engineers because of like systems and processes. Absolutely. You know? So, yeah. like, um, so let's kind of bookmark that idea of investment because I want to know when we get back to the idea yes. of you looking to open a restaurant, like I want to know how this served you. Okay. But let's go back to where you were with the video game program. Yes. So, yeah. So basically I did that for a few years and I was just the producer of the game. I managed all parts of it. I managed the technology and we were building a new technology at that time, you know, so I had to learn that very quickly. How does this work? Um, You know, are my programmers making the deadlines? You know, um, there was a budget, obviously. I had to make sure that we stayed on budget. Um, And then there was the actual gameplay, like the user interface, like, does it make sense? Will it be easy for the user to understand? Um, And then there was a sponsorship level right we were we had to go and try and find sponsors for the game to help pay for the game yeah and so i mean it was everything it was so great like anything it's just project management to execute like what your your vision is and how's that any different from building a restaurant right exactly yeah Yeah. Uh, so how did what were the big lessons you learned during that time that you think set you up for success oh god that everything always costs more than anything (laughs) it's gonna cost and you're never gonna meet the deadlines and you need to be a little bit more flexible and have, you know, uh, kind of another plan just in case. But um, yeah, I learned also, honestly, to manage people. That was like the first time. I had never really managed people, right? Because back in investment banking, like I said, sat at my desk, just, you know, was in the spreadsheets. I mean, then all of a sudden here I have a team, right? A team of people that I need to manage and make sure they're all doing the work that they should be doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, learning, you know, how do I keep them inspired? How do I keep them motivated? Um, that became a really big learning experience for me, you know, after been, you know, having worked for how many years, but never managing a a team. Yeah. Okay. So let's pull back some layers on this because yes. this is huge. This is a big point of evolution for you. Yes. You have to know how to manage a team when you're yes. running a restaurant. You said you learn how to keep them inspired and how to keep them motivated. How do you keep people inspired? Ah, okay. Well, it's changed over the years. I will tell you that. Has it? Yes. Okay. For sure. Get into it. So at the very first, like when I first started managing a team, I thought being their friend uh, and, you know, and like, you know, getting personal with them, getting to know them. I thought that was going to be the way to do it, you know, and, and it worked for a while. But what I realized then was, wow, there has to be something else. Like there has to be something more business minded to it. And what is that? Right. And um, I ended up, 
you know, reading, um, listening to podcasts a lot, you know, all self-taught. I mean, I didn't have a mentor to teach me how to manage this people. This is around the same time I started listening to podcasts, yeah. too. And it was such a great tool. I love that this era of 2007, yes. know, things have started to explode for the yes. most, right? But get into it. What were the, th- the things you were learning in these books and these podcasts? So the biggest thing that I learned was setting expectations and, uh, and then holding uh, people accountable. That was the biggest thing. You know, so I could still be that friendly person, but these are the expectations and what I, you know, I expect of you of this role that you have. And then here is like the measurements of the, of what those expectations, um, you know, of how we're going to measure it. And then just holding them accountable by checking in with them all the time and, you know, saying, okay, have we met these goals? Okay. If why not, what's holding you up? What can I help you with to like, you know, get past this part. And that really helped just turbocharge everything. So when you're sitting these, when you were, when you're trying to hold people accountable and you're, you're trying to figure out these key performance indicators yes. to measure, yes. do you work that out with them? Is it something that you've find out with definitely because like, when you're just getting started like how do you know what numbers to look at yeah um, yeah maybe we can get into that when we start talking about restaurants like sure what key performance sure. indicators you look like when you're managing people today yes but unless something comes to mind right now you know nothing comes to mind um i think that would be relevant but i'd love to talk about it when we talk about the restaurants okay. because we got a whole process down yeah, for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense yeah um but there is something to be said about being their friend, I think there's a bounce that needs yes. to be met. Like you do yes. want to give an F. Yes, you know, of course. You don't want to be transactional, but you got to draw that line. Right. So how did you know where to draw that line between friend and boss? Right. Well, I stopped drinking with them. Yeah. <laughs> that was one. <laughs> no more drinking. No more shift drinks with yeah. the with the team. You know, I think that. Listen, I totally cared about all of them. I want to know their life stories. I'm willing to share my life story. Okay, but when it comes down to it, you know, this is the job. Yeah. And and um and so it, you know, I actually learned something very like not not recently, but say when I first opened Rosa Blue here, mm-hmm. um, with my partner Hans Lutman because. He, you know, a lot of restaurants say, oh, we're a family, we're a family. And the problem with saying that you're a family, like families are super dysfunctional, like super, even your own family is super dysfunctional, dysfunctional. right? You know, (laughs) so it's better to say you're a team, right? Because if you're a team, you're working towards the same goal together. And that's a lot different than being a family. And you can still have that like warm, fuzzy feeling, um, but as a team working towards that goal. And as you know, as soon as I that clicked for me, it was just so much better for all of us, for all yeah, of us, you yeah. know, there's the, those lines don't get crossed anymore. Well said, uh, anything else that you learned or how you grew during this time being a video game producer? Oh gosh, you know, more so I'll tell you this. So when I was in the finance industry, you know, there was no balance, right? There was just work, 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 work. And that was in New York. I moved here to LA. So you wanted to get into the restaurant industry. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> right. But it's a little, it's different. And we can talk about that too. Yeah. But, you know, moving to Los Angeles, I saw people taking lunches. I saw people, you know, meeting for work afterwards. I mean, for me, that time frame was like, oh my gosh, I can actually be a social person and really still be good at my job and get my work done. And so that really is what that era taught me is like, though, though, yeah, they knew how to have fun and still work and really do a great job. And I loved that. I mean, I, I, you know, and moving to Los Angeles, you definitely get that vibe more so here than in New York. Yeah. There's definitely a slow, I think it's because of the weather. So nice, totally, you know, totally. I was like, we got to slow down and enjoy this. Yes. We're in New York. You get outside and you're like, shit, it's cold. I got to get to the yeah. next place. 
before I freeze to death. It, totally. It's cold or it's super hot. Let me get into the AC. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so I do want to point out we are in, we're, we're sitting in Rosa Blue right now. Yes. There is construction going on. <laughs> I know. Next door. I'm so sorry. And I know Dina was worried about this and I can, and I just want to make sure I want to put you at ease. That, yes. Like, my listeners have heard much crazier things going on in the background. <laughs> so do not worry. About okay. That. Thanks. Uh, and so now the listeners will know what that noise is. Yes. Uh, so, okay. Moving forward. Um, Unless you did, I cut you short with the the lessons in finance. No, and that's stuff like that. that's okay, it. Okay. Yeah, uh, you eventually become a chief of staff. Yes. When did this happen? What's the year when you make this change from video games to chief of staff? Okay, so that was oh my gosh, it was when my so I have twins. Okay. I have uh, nine year old twins now, and um, it was after they were born. Um, okay. So it was 2013. Okay. So yes. you did about six years, seven years yeah. doing this. And then what was the reason for getting out of that? So the reason for getting out of that was, I mean, I just realized I needed my own schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it was it was with kids. It became... Um, you know, I, I just needed my own schedule. You know, before it was okay. I could just keep working and working and working. It didn't matter, right? But now I had these two little ones really needing me. And yeah. so I had to I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to have a schedule where I can run it my own, my, you know, when I can work when I want to work. I can, you know, be at home when I need to be home. And so that's when I thought, okay, let's just get into the restaurant industry and just stay there. And then that way I'm an entrepreneur. I can run my own schedule, you know, and we'll go from there. So when you got into the restaurant industry in 2013, did you get in as a chief of staff or CEOs in restaurants? No, 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 no. So my so um, my husband's a chef. Okay, yes, okay, I did see that. Yeah, and so basically, what ended up happening was we actually opened our first restaurant in 2011. Oh, okay. Yes, we opened our first restaurant in 2011. It was called Soto, and basically, what happened was he wanted to open his own restaurant. He was tired of cooking in other people's kitchens. And he asked me, he's like, can you help me open my own restaurant? And I said, okay, sure, let's do it. And so that's where that started. That's how the restaurant, um, my restaurant uh, world industry started. I I will tell the listeners that this time yesterday, we did not know we were talking to you. Yes, yes. This is a shotgun interview. You were super flexible to get us to make time for us. Yeah. Because Brittany called you out literally yesterday. Yeah. And we made this happen. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I'm learning as I go about your story. Yeah, no worries. uh, 2011, uh, your husband and yourself opened Soto. Yes. And this is around the time your finance degree probably really yes exactly he knows how to pick them huh yeah yeah exactly so what what was your role in helping your husband open this so my role there was to help him find the money to help him build the projections to tell the story you know to put together a pitch deck which you know i started actually in corporate finance and that's basically what you do (laughs) you know you put together projections you you know you put together a deck on the telling the story of your business and then you try and sell it to get people to invest in it right and so that's basically what I did for him. And so we pitched it a couple times and we ended up finding an investor, which was amazing. We only needed one because the, the capital um, investment was super small. And um, that was it. What was the investment you guys think you needed? Is it safe to say that or is it fair for me to ask? Oh, how much how we much, needed? Yeah. We needed $400,000. I think it's important to say this sure. so that people understand what it actually yes. costs to yes. a restaurant. 
four hundred thousand dollars, and you got with one investor. One investor, wow. yes. That pitch deck must have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, so his name is Bill Chait. I don't know if you've heard of Bill. I do know that. Name. You should probably talk to him someday. So Brittany's he, a big fan of Bill Chait. Yes, too. yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Bill is. Uh, he's like crazy amazing he's like super smart and um basically what he did back in the day which was you know 2011 is he started to look for um up-and-coming chefs Mm. that would want to like be partners in restaurants and so that way you have that ownership energy in the restaurant right Um, and and it's culinary so you always knew the food was going to be really good and so basically what he did back then was he he would just like find these chefs and basically put them in and then have a support um, uh, uh, management company yep. under them that could help them you be do a all chef, this stuff. We do everything. Yes, else. exactly. Yeah, this started to get really busy around this time. People started to figure out like it's all about creating opportunity for others. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so that that's what he did um, along with a he had a basically an invest an investor that did all this with him. Yeah. And so basically we got a hold of him somehow. Oh, I know. We got a hold of him from uh, Josh Lurie from Food GPS. He's a really great um, he has a like a you know he had a blog back then. Um, but he's super in, into food. Uh, he writes about it all the time. And he had had Steve's food and said to Bill, you should talk to this guy. Uh, so that's how it ended up happening. So any advice before we move on uh, sure. as far as putting that pitch deck together and like things to consider when trying to figure out what it's going to cost? Yes, yes. I mean, I think, you you know, and this my husband Steve says this all the time. Um, you know, you have to have your point of view. You have to know like what what you like what you're going to stand for and really be focused about it you know you can always like um veer off and maybe you know from that point initial point of view but you have to be super focused um in that way so he knew he wanted to do regional italian food um you know at the time everybody was kind of doing pan italian um where you just do all kinds from all regions he was like no i only want to do southern i only want to do southern italian food and i wanted to have neapolitan pizza which at the time not everyone was doing neapolitan yeah. pizza you know and so that was his m- point of view that right there that that and warm hospitality yeah and point so, of view i mean what is that it's 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 vision yes right like this is my vision this is what i'm looking at exactly where i am this is what i want to be yes and what are what do we stand for yes those are your values yes like, it's so important to like this is what people are investing in. Yes. They're investing. Well, and you. Yes, right? so of course. It's a combination of who you are and what you have under your belt. Right. You're, you're, you are betting on a pony. Then it's also like, do I think the consumer is going to get behind what it is you're trying to create? Absolutely. You have to be clear clear on what it is you're trying to do before people will invest in you. Right. No. Uh, any other thing that you wanted to mention before we move on from that? Um, no, that's good. I'm well, I will say this. I think that you should know what your deal breakers are, Mm. you know, and one of our deal breakers for that restaurant was we needed that oven. We needed the best wood burning pizza oven ever. And it's funny because Bill was like, you don't need it. We're like, no, we do. Why? What makes it a deal breaker? Like literally like we can't do what the vision is unless you. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and so that was one of our deal breakers. And so basically when, um, you know, Bill was like, no, that pizza oven's too expensive. You know, we have to import it from Italy. You know, it won't even fit through the door, you know. And we said, well, that's the deal breaker. We can't do this without it. Mm. And it's so funny because that oven ended up becoming like iconic for our restaurant and what we were doing there. That's so tough. I know. Yeah. Yep. 
Maybe we can go swing by later. Who knows? Is it close by? No, they took it. It's oh. well, no, it's closed. We okay. closed it. Yeah, we closed okay. it when we when we moved over here. Got it. Yeah. So, um, so 2011, you help your husband yes. open Soto. Yes. Uh, by 2003, you're like, I need a new change of pace. I need yes. to get my own schedule. Yes. I'm become a chief of staff for CEOs yes. and celebrities. How yes. did you get started into that? Oh God. Well, when I was back in finance, um, basically what would end up happening is I would always work at these startups, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you work at these startups, you have to do everything. You can't just do exactly your job, right? Someone's always going to ask you something else. And um, and so that happened, you know? So the CEOs would be like, there's nobody to help me do this. Can you help me, you know, negotiate this contract with, you know, the cleaning company or yeah. whatever it is, you know? And I was like, okay, it's fine. It's like an, exec- an, an executive assistant. Yes, it is. It's like yeah. an executive assistant, but at a level that's, um, where they give you a lot of, you know, permission to act on their behalf, yeah. right? And so that's what ended up happening. I mean, it would just be like, I would be doing my job and then all of a sudden it would be like, okay, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? So then you become super integral in this person's life because, they can't do anything without you, you know, yeah. and they want to know your advice and they want you, you know, they want you to manage the people are under them so that they don't have to do you it. You don't realize how much you depend on people too when they're not there. I'm, yeah. I'm literally experiencing this because I'm used to having another person with us, yeah. Jared, and I just noticed because he wasn't able to make it and yeah. then, like you don't realize how much, how much you how grateful you are for certain people right not around right and like i'm so used to him like kind of like swooping in and like setting things up and i'm talking and like oh where is things and i'm like and these two can attest so we have sam savannah behind me like yeah eric you're so all over the place right now i'm like, so sorry i'm used to having Jerry. <laughs> um but yeah it's so it's so important to have that person that yes. you can just look around and, and like focus on what, what only you can do absolutely so other people around are absolutely care stuff. absolutely yeah. and that's a great point and yeah. you know and that's actually what we've done with our restaurants now is you know you 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 figure out what people are really really good at and then you just have them focus on those things mm-hmm. and then you know you get the support you need and and wherever you need it mm-hmm. um so did you learn anything about like what what is specifically a chief of staff what are you doing what is that title yeah mean? yeah well it's really you're managing a team you're managing yeah. the team so that the chief executive officer doesn't have to right so whatever it is like like i said it could be you know, the cleaning company. It could be, you know, his assistant who's maybe not doing a good job and, you know, and how can how can you train or mentor her to get her into a better place? Or it can be, uh, you know, take that meeting because I don't want to talk to that person right now, right? Yeah. And talk to, them, talk to them, find out what they want, then come back to me and tell me if it's worth my time. You yeah. know, like a gatekeeper of sorts, you know? I want one of those. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. No, no, it's yeah. true. It's so important. It's so um, important. So did you learn anything specific? I mean, you worked with some really great people. Who did you work yeah. with? Yeah. Chief of staff wise? Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I worked with some amazing people. Okay. So I was uh, chief of staff to Rob Dyrdek. I don't know if you know him from uh, MTV. Yeah. 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 yeah, Fantasy fact. Fantasy. Yeah. So he's great. Um, I worked with him and he was really great. Um, What he taught me was to really have a plan, like a plan for everything that you do. Right. So he had a plan where 
literally from the moment he woke up to the moment he went to bed, he had his plan for his day. And yeah, sure, things change, but he actually would um, track his day by measurements, just like, okay, did I complete this today? Did I complete that? If I didn't, why not? How do I feel today? You know, do I, am I, am I, do I feel like two out of 10? Am I 10 out of 10? If I am, why not? You know, so he really was about measuring his success. And that was super exciting to me. Super exciting. So you started doing this 2013. When did you finish? Uh, I was only there for like a year and a half. Uh, With with Rob. But with Rob, but yes. you were a chief of staff for CEOs. Oh my and- God. Well, I was a chief of staff for many people. So, okay. So I was also a chief of staff for, um, his name is David Gannick. Okay. He was at a hedge fund actually. This was back in New York. Got so it. yeah. So, and I also was a chief of staff to, for P Diddy actually for a while. <laughs> yeah. And so that was also back in New York. Um, and then I also, so was- it's kind of like all over the place. All it's over. Like, okay. Yeah. Got it, got it. Well, this is what would end up happening. I would be doing my job, whatever my job was at the time, whether it was, you know, analyzing financial statements, whether it was working in corporate finance. And I, I don't know. People just like would say, okay, I need somebody to help me with this. Again, smaller companies. And then it would be like, I'd be like, okay, I'll do it. I'll ra- I'd raise my hand. Take like, I'll meeting. do it. Take Whatever. Yeah, take the meeting. <laughs> exactly. And I would just, just say, I'll do it. You yeah. know, I volunteer. And then from there, I would always get to be like, you know, right hand to this CEO just because they trusted me. They liked my so work I think, ethic. I think you're a really good person to speak to this. Something that I go back off uh, or go back on a lot. It's weird. Cause you hear interviewing a bunch of people, you hear tons of advice, tons of great advice. And often sometimes the advice you hear is very counter to other advice you've heard. And one of the things you hear is always say yes. And your version of that is take the, take the meeting, take yes. the meeting, take yes. the meeting. Also, I've heard people say, be very, select- be very selective yes. about what you say yes to because everything you say yes to is something you also have to say no to. You know? <laughs> right, right. you only have so many yeses. Sure, sure. So how do you, I mean, early in your career, obviously you're saying yes to a lot. Do yes. you say yes to as much today as you did, did then? So that's interesting. Um, I do, but I have... I have my gatekeeper now. <laughs> so I have somebody take the first meeting yeah. for me. Okay. And they take the first meeting for me and then tell me if it's something, you know, I get the little summary. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, that doesn't really fit right now what we're into, but good to know. Yeah. Now, let me write back to that person then and say, thank you so much. You know, so I still have that connection. Yeah. Um, and I still know exactly what it is they're doing, but I don't have to take the meeting. But so as you grow, as you get yes. bigger, you put layers between you. So Absolutely. You can, take, you can say yes to more. Absolutely. Got it. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Yes. Um, so anything, so when did you open, because Rosa Blue was your first restaurant, your restaurant that you were like, this is now what I'm doing. Right? Yes. So when did that happen? So that happened in 2017. Got it. So uh, you get away from the video games, yes. 2013, mm-hmm. you're doing more chief of staff, yes. uh, you know, that type of work. Yes. Um, and so you had about four years with this. Anything we're leaving out from 2013 to 2017? No, other than the fact that we ran Soto for, you know, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, mm-hmm. when did that close? That closed in 2019. 2019. Yeah. Do you want to get into that? Are there lessons learned there? You know, the only lesson I will say that um, everyone should think about when they're, um, you know, opening a restaurant is uh, make sure that your partners or your investors are people that you... Uh, like and respect not that i don't didn't like and respect them but you just you have to be really sure that you want to be in business with these people forever 
I mean, it's a marriage. You know, it's, you know, you have to make sure that your core values are all the same. You know, that it's, uh, you know, it's what we, uh, when we were opening Rosso Blue, we said we don't want any ugly money. We want like really good money invested in this restaurant. I'm not going to let you get away with just giving that advice. Yeah, I yeah. Like there's more layers here. Yes. And I don't want to pull names through the mud. Yeah, no, no. About. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But get into specifics about the, the dynamics of the relationship um, and where it, th- there was the disconnect so we can know specifically about sure. what to avoid. Sure. Um, well, uh, again, I think it's about, it's all about your core values. Like yeah. you have to know what you stand for, you know, and for us, um, Yes, everybody wants to make money, okay, for sure. But we want to make money in a, in a happy place, right? And we want our employees and our team to be happy. We want them to like love what they're doing. Um, if we have to pay them a little bit more to do that, we're going to do that, right? If we have to, we don't want to sacrifice any kind of food quality. We don't want to sacrifice the way the room looks or feels. I mean, all of that, you know. I think you have to have a partner that understands that, that understands that it's not always about money. It's about the community that you're building and, and that you're serving. And, uh, and that's it. I mean, it's really, you know, listen, it's, when you invest in, with, when somebody invests in you and all they want back is money, um, that's transaction. Yeah. It's not, it's yeah. not, that's not who we are and not what we do for you. It's more than the money. It's for you. It's a vision. It's a mission. It's a, absolutely. It's, it has, it's, it's you, it's an extension of you. Yes. Right. Um, right. And your partners have to be on board with whatever it is you're trying to act. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Yes. And cash flow gets tight. Yes. And when that happens, you don't want to sacrifice your values. No. So I, I hear what you're saying. Any other lessons? Uh, no, that's it. that's it about that. I okay. mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, so moving forward, um, you, so you opened uh, Rosa Blue in 2017. Yes. So there was an overlap where you had two restaurants. No, there was. Yeah. Yeah, there actually was overlap where we had three, three restaurants. restaurants. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you also, I, I forgot to mention, we have Superfine. Yes. When did that open? That opened in 2018. 2018. So, yes. Uh, Rosa Blue and, and Fine, pretty close openings. Pretty close, yeah. So, um, to kind of paint the picture of what's going on, 2017. 2017. Yeah. Okay. So, 2017, we open up Rosso Blue in May. Yeah. And um, and it's going really, really well. So, you know, we had the following already from Soto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you know, we and then we built this huge restaurant. I mean, you're here, you see yeah, it. It's, it's huge, yeah. right? I mean, it's like. You know, it's built to, seats. yeah, gosh, well, so inside is a hundred and then outside is a hundred. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a 200 seat restaurant, but it used to not be that way. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, now of COVID we've added the patio. Mm-hmm. Um, the patio used to only have, I don't know, maybe 30 seats, you yeah. know, and now it has a hundred out there. It's crazy. It is nice though. Yeah, no, it is really nice. And so, um, so, you know, we were doing really well, um, you know, I think everyone was super interested in where we were because this is the original produce market from 100 years ago. You know, this building was built in 1919. Um, so, you know, it was people were interested to see, like, what's what's going on down there? Because yeah. if you I don't know if you've driven around, there's nothing no. here. We're in the middle of nowhere. Like we've created this pocket. Right. I'm, generally, I'm driving in the back of an Uber. My head is down. Yeah. And the car stops and I go over here. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing the research. Yeah. yeah. So I did not see outside. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think now is a really great time to, to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to kind of unpackage where you were in 2017. Great. Even further. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a software platform for restaurant people by restaurant people. To be successful in the modern age, you need to be efficient by streamlining your processes and creating automation. Simply put, Margin Edge means data streamlined and insights automated. With Margin Edge, you can track food and labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. And who likes data entry? No one. So you'll be thrilled to hear that there's no more data entry with margin edge they will save your team hours and paperwork by automating your invoice processing with line item detail don't worry about the integration either because margin edge allows you to seamlessly connect your pos and accounting systems and get a daily pnl on top of all of this margin edge enables you to digitally manage your inventory and recipes plus you can compare actual cost versus theoretical cost find out why over 3,100 restaurants are thrilled to be using Margin Edge. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your free demo. And when you use that link, you can try Margin Edge for free for 30 days. There's no contract. There's no setup fee. Plus, you get free unlimited training and support. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. One more time, marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We're back, and uh, you just kind of painted the picture of where you were in 2017. You kind of shared a little bit more about Rosa Blue, the size, and that's kind of where we left off. So take it from there. Yeah. So, you know, basically, like I said, we were doing really well. Um, You know, if you look now um, at City Market South, right, there's buildings, there's office buildings and all that. There's another restaurant across the way. There's a coffee shop across the way. Um, But when we were here, we were the only thing open. So you literally would come and it would be super dark. Yeah. And then there was just this restaurant, right? So why this location? What was going on at this location? Yeah. So, well, first off, okay. So we opened Rosso Blue on our own, okay. right? We raised all the money on our own. We did it all. And so um, Steve really had this vision, you know, again, point of view, where he wanted to do his... Um, the, the food that he grew up on, you know, so Steve's half Italian, um, half Jewish, and he, his family's from Bologna, and he wanted to do Emilia Romagna food. And so, and he was inspired because um, back um, when he was growing up, he would always spend his summers in Bologna, and there were these festivals, the Festival de Lunita. And basically, they were always outside, and there were always these um, just you know, people just eating and he loved it. And he really wanted a patio space. He wanted outdoor space. It's very hard to find outdoor space here in LA. Mm. Um, and that's cheap, right? <laughs> and so that's way, why we found this spot. We found it and he thought, oh my God, this is it. And I'm like, we're in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Who is going to come here? And he's like, no, I, I can see it. It'll be great. And, you know, so it was really his um, vision. And honestly, I, I, waited on it forever. I'm like, yeah, maybe, 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 you know, then finally he wasn't going to give up. And I'm like, Oh God, okay, here we go. Now I have to raise like <laughs> how much money to build a restaurant in the middle of nowhere, you know? And um, it's funny. It worked out. It's Why great. did it work out? Well, I think it, it worked out for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, um, you know, we did have that following already at Soto that we knew would follow, you know, that would come and check us out. That's one. Um, two, we had a really solid team um, because we had people at Soto um, uh, that were, you know, really good. We were able to, and, you know, and needed some growth, right? We were able to kind of split the team in half and leave some of the good team there and then bring the other part of the team yeah. here to like help us build it here. Um, and then also, you know, just the, 
outdoor space. I mean, to be able to be outdoor and to have just these open doors and these big windows, um, that really just seemed attractive. I mean, you know, we had some media come before, take photos, you know, so it seemed really like, oh, where is this place? Yeah. You know, Dude, the, I just haven't really, I still don't even know, like literally what outside looks like. Yeah. I just kind of walk around. Yeah, yeah. Um, has the space, the area changed? Has it come up? Are there more players in the area? That so only this space. So this is called City Market South. And yeah. as I mentioned, it's, you know, the original produce market from 100 years ago. And so what ends up happening is another restaurant open across the way. Um, there's an architect office. There's um, a clo- like a, re- a wholesale clothing store. There's an event space. Um, there's a movie studio here now. Okay. You know, so... So it's it's filled out nicely where it's kind of like its own little community now. Okay. And obviously we want to do a little bit more with it and, and kind of let everybody know that we're still here because there's still a lot of people that still don't know we're here even yeah. after we've been open since, you know, 2017. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. So what about raising money? So you did it all on your own this time. How yes. was it different this time versus yeah. other times? Well, there wasn't one person that just said, here you go. <laughs> That's there was one. No bill. <laughs> there was no bill. Um, and then the other thing was, I mean, the budget was, you know, four times that, five, it's a five times. It's space. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't a, 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 a more than 400,000. Yeah, yeah, budget. yeah. More than 400,000. So, uh, yeah. So, that was. So, were any new lessons in having to do this all on your own? That things that you didn't have to experience before? Um, well, I think, you know, so this, um, ends up coming, you know, you know how I say, take the meeting. I mean, I really think that, um, that really lends itself also to the, also my other saying is, you know, that you have to stay very open and flexible to like whatever it is that needs to happen. Right. You know, like if you, you're just too fixated, um, you can miss some opportunities. Right. And so one of the things, um, that we did and I didn't know I was doing it, but because I was meeting all these people at the restaurant, you know, all the time and like just, and, you know, talking to them and staying very open with them and, you know, and trying to build relationships with them. I mean, those are the people that ended up investing in Rosso Blue, mm. right? Just always talking to them, always communicating with them. You know, I'd say, oh, we're, we're thinking about, I didn't even have to, some people I didn't even have to ask, you know, it's they like, found out. They're like, why haven't you? Yeah. Why haven't you? I want to invest or I want to help you. And what can I do? You know? And that was really eye opening to me that, that, you know, these relationships actually can become something more than, yeah. you know, than just, you know, a, a friendship, you know, or a, so what is your advice for managing all these relationships? Like, how do you, do you have like a, uh, something that you do regularly to, like, just to reach out to people? Like, yeah, how yeah. Do you, how do you stay top of mind? How do you not let those relationships fizzle out? Yeah, no, I do. I just check in. Sometimes it's just an email. Do you, like, do you block time to do this? Is, do you like work into your life? Like, is no, it, like, just when I think of people. Okay. Like I'll, I'll think nice. of them and then I'll just shoot off a quick text. How are you doing? Thinking of you. Shoot off an email or say I'm reading an article and it makes me think of somebody. I'll send the article off. Was thinking of you. Thought you might be interested. You know, the, just that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, you keep the everyone. I don't know. You know, think about. I mean, you've met so many people, right? Through this. Um, well, I'm, that's. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking about like I could be so much better about staying in touch, but I'm always like moving on to the next, to the yeah, next, to the next. Yeah. How do you? How do you make time to like can, just to keep everyone you've met? Yeah. Like to make to make time for that many, like hundreds of people. I'm sure it's for you. It's, it's hundreds, if not thousands of people. <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't know. Honestly, I just, I just people come to mind, yeah. and that's it. I yeah. think. Uh, um, I'm a big fan of Jordan Harbinger. I don't know if you ever listened to that Mm-mm, podcast, no, but me. it's all about just like social, emotional intelligence and just how to be a better person. A lot of like how we are, why we are um, like 
just like human evolution type stuff. Um, and he, he, part of what he teaches is just like networking and socializing. Yes. And a big part of that is like, just like, you just got to keep the conversation without, don't reach out to people when you have a favor to ask. Oh, I hate that. Just, just to like be friendly, like talk to people and don't ask and just be significant in their life without like add value. Yes. Don't add, don't take, just add, add, add. And it sounds like that's what you do. Yeah. I mean, I try, you know, I try to definitely. I love that. Um, so when did Superfine open? You said 2018? So Superfine, okay, so listen to this. This is a crazy story. So we're open, um, you know, Rosa Blue opens May 2017. Um, about September 2018, we're about to open Superfine. But we have to pause it because there's a fire here. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This, this, um, this wood-burning grill, the hood above it, caught on fire oh, no. during a service one day. And... Um, we had to postpone the opening of Superfine because we had to deal with the fire at Rosso Blue. Sure. So that ended up shutting us down for three months. Oh uh, yeah, it was crazy. So that was um, that was kind of like a, a, a you know a little blip in our in yeah. our. That was our first uh, our first uh, experience with needing to pivot <laughs> before COVID even happened. Right. You know, wait, why, why did you have to change what you were doing? Because I mean, well, the money go towards fixing. Yeah. So, well, we had to like for three months we were closed. What yeah. were we going to do? Yeah. Like, do we, you know, what do we do during this time? What do we do with our team? We don't want to lose our team. Yeah. You know, but how if we're going to keep paying them? What are we going to do? Took three months to repair the three hood? months. Was it smoke damage and the was it a bad? Fire? It was smoke damage. It was um, the 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 whole. Um, uh, hood or you know the flu or whatever caught on fire it also caught the roof on fire upstairs yeah um and so and dealing with insurance that was another thing i had never done before and that took a i mean we're still dealing with insurance to this day they're giving you a hard time they were giving us a hard time yeah why why does insurance i don't know stink so much sometimes i mean we still haven't closed the settlement even though everything's been done is there a lesson with insurance of like maybe like don't what you think you might not need get that coverage yes what is that yes uh so it's funny because right now i'm i'm trying to first off there's there's something called day one insurance yeah right and it's like as soon as something happens that you get start getting coverage day one so there's like you know 36 hour or or, i mean not 36 hour uh three day you know three days or two weeks or whatever it is but i say go for the one day because you never know know. because like say you you know say there was just like a smoke smoke alarm that caught off came went off sometimes the fire department will come in and just shut you down right yeah. and you can't reopen so you've lost uh, you know you've lost that whole day's sales yeah so but if you have the one day insurance and, and possibly whatever was in the refrigerator uh, yeah too, all of it you know? yeah. yeah so basically this one day insurance is like you got to get it yeah it's worth so it so is if you had one day insurance would that have covered you well, no, but um, but you know there was an uh, there was another day where we had almost another fire, <laughs> and it would have covered that day. Okay. <laughs> but no, but that's definitely one thing I learned from there. In regards to the issue that you're facing with right now with insurance, yes. is yes. there anything that if you had done if you had worked your package out differently, yes, like, what is it? Would so you have done it so, knowing what you know it's now? It's not so much about the package. Okay. Um, I think what it is is everyone should get an insurance, a public insurance adjuster. Okay. Okay. Don't try to negotiate this on your own. Mm-hmm. What you should do is hire a well-known, a well-respected yeah. um, insurance adjuster, adjuster that does it for you. What's the difference between an adjuster and a broker? Well, a broker just sells you insurance okay. and then just kind of makes your connections. An adjuster is actually somebody who advocates on your behalf and can tell you like... 
okay, this smoke damage is going, it's going to hit you down the road. Make sure this insurance covers it. I would have never known that. Right. Um, or, okay. Those bottles, uh, could be contaminated like uh, because you know they're open liquor bottles yeah. like you need to make sure you get those covered because yeah. they're the fire department will come in or the health department will come in and make you throw all that away right there were things that i would have never known had i not hired a public adjuster do you like to, your public adjuster i like my public well, adjuster enough to, to get, throw them some business give them a little shout out no okay. no <laughs> but i liked listen i liked what i learned from them for sure i did okay. okay i did i liked what i learned from them um, but you know, in the end, obviously, the, so the, in the in the end for them, the more money that they get you, the more their commission is, right? Yeah. So you know, there's a, it's a, there's a little bit of a shadiness okay. there that might happen. Well, good to know. Good yeah. To know. So you have to be, you know, stick to your core values <laughs> and make sure you don't, uh, you know, get carried away. Is there yeah. anything we haven't discussed as far as what you've done in your businesses, lessons you've learned? Because really, you get to think the, the people who are listening to this are people who uh, who are going out. I mean, I'm actually really surprised the, the people who listen to this. Donald Moore listens to this, and he's yeah. so chief culinary officer of the, the Cheesecake Factory. Yes. But also in my mind, I see people who are just getting started, who are just trying to learn, and yeah. just, they want to prevent as much bad things from happening as possible. What advice do you have for that person and through the experiences you've had? Sure. So my main, main thing, and I, I say this all the time, and I've actually told this to Brittany and she's um, started it um, with her restaurants. Um, you know, you, you do have to have a set of core values and you do have to live by them. You do have to communicate them. Um, you know, what we learned from moving from Soto, Soto was a restaurant where we only had say 35 employees, right? Yeah. Then we opened Rosso Blue and it's 100 employees. Like the difference between 35 and 100 employees and managing that team is so different. It's How so it different. different. It's like there's just more personalities. Yeah. There's more personalities. There's more, um, you know, more shifts that you have to manage. There's more, you know, everything. Yeah. And, and so what ended up helping us, what really helped us, and this was something that our partner Hans Lutman really helped us with he said, you know, we need to know what we stand for. And he's like, and we need to communicate it. And so basically what we did was we came up with a set of core values that we believe in as, as, as people. You know, yes, of course. Yeah. As people and as owners and, and, um, as people and as business owners. And basically I'll tell you, let me just tell you first how you, you get them because that's important. So one of the things that we said was, you know, we looked around the room of our team and we said, okay, what are the best characteristics of these employees that we have here? Right. And what would, if we could like pull the best of all of them, would those be our core values? Right. So we looked around, okay, there's work ethic, right? There's, um, commitment to excellence. There's integrity, you know, all of those things. And then we started to think, okay, but what is the real, like the three of us as owners, like what do we have that's really different that we think is really different? And we went through the whole list and and really for us, it ended up being compassion. So not empathy because empathy is just feeling, um, you know, and, and, and understanding compassion is wanting to do something about it. Right. Yes. So basically that became our kind of number one, um, um, core value is when we were hiring, if we felt that that person didn't have compassion, they weren't going to do well here. Right. They just weren't going to do well here because that's really what we're all about. Um, and so that, you you know, you just have to have those core values. So it's funny because I, you know, I talked to Brittany say, and I'm like, what are your core values? And she gives them to me. I'm like, 
No, everybody has those. You need the <laughs> one that like that like represents you, like yeah. what you want, and like as an owner and as as a person, you know. And then she's like. Okay, so you know it's funny because she's kind of rethinking like what's her differentiating. Yeah. It's, one? it's not as easy as it sounds because like one thing like I struggle with compassion, but yeah. like one of my core values is transparency. Yes, and truth. Yes, like truth. I have to say, truth is my unique selling. I love position. it. Yeah, but when you're very transparent and truthful, compassion becomes very difficult. <laughs> yes, because like, yeah. in your mind, like, I just want to be honest. I just want to tell the yeah. truth to shed mm-hmm. myself from this burden. Sure. But sometimes the truth hurts. Other yes. People. Oh, absolutely. So how do you handle that? That that level. of Good communication, yes. transparency, truthfulness. Yes, but how do you do? How do you stay compassionate? Well, but see, that's the point. I mean, I I totally know what you're saying because I'm all about mm-hmm. truth and honesty, and I had to learn how to exercise this compassion part, right? Because it really. It all, it's just about how you deliver the message, really. Yeah. It's how you deliver it. It's your tone. It's all of it, you know? Yeah, I had an ex-girlfriend tell me that truth or um, truth or honesty without compassion is cruelty. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, damn, you're right. It really, really is. You know, and listen, Steve. I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Steve and Hans, you know, both of them are my partners. I mean, they are, they are so great at this. Yeah. I had to learn it. Um, I knew I had it in me. Yeah. I just had to learn it. I um, you know, I'm a little impatient. I want things done. You know, I have that still that kind of investment banking, you know, finance New York mentality of just like, come on, let's get things done. And so, you know, it's definitely something I've had to learn. I love it. Uh-huh. Awesome stuff. So what are your core values? Okay. So they are compassion, um, integrity, work ethic, um, commitment to excellence, can do attitude and passion it. for the brand. And if you're listening to this right now and you cannot rattle off your core values get to work yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it's important to have um awesome stuff and we do have to talk about some other things so um restaurant unstoppable's mission i like to remind people is to inspire empower and transform the industry and i like to spend a lot of time talking about what can we do how can we be conscious how can we be intentional how can we start going forward with intention to transform the industry and make it a better place because let's be honest i mean we have come a long way but we have a long way to go Right. right so what are you doing to transform the industry right now. Oh my God, I'm so glad you asked. So this is actually something um, that I've been feeling very, very passionate about. I mean, ever since we started Rosa Blue, we've always wanted a community part of our business, right? It's a commitment to community. We've done that through our partnership with like Alma Backyard Farms. Um, but, you know, during the pandemic, uh, it became very clear that we really needed to advocate for ourselves, um, not only as restaurant owners, but for me as a woman. So it was before the pandemic? Or? No, this was, well, this was during the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, during Got the it. pandemic, for yeah. sure. Um, I'd always had like a women's group, um, women restaurant owners, um, where we did brunches and happy hours, you know, kind of all the social stuff. And where we had, I had let have speakers come and talk to them about HR or talk to them about legal contracts, you know, and that. So that's where that kind of started. And that started Mm pre-pandemic. But then during the pandemic, it was like, okay, let's get all these women together on a call. Let's figure out what we're doing and how we're going to get through this. And so that just started as call Zooms. It really started as Zooms. But then what ended up happening was we ended up coming down with like a core group of women. So, you know, it went from like a 40 woman conversation, zoom conversation to like nine women. Like, what are we going to do? How are we going to make change? Let's not just sit here and just complain or talk about it. Let's actually do something. So the nine women and I, we came up with this idea last year of creating this, um, 
food festival, a virtual food festival during the closure, right? So everyone was closed. Nobody knew what they were doing. And we decided we wanted to throw this virtual food festival to kind of help uplift women-owned restaurant owners. When you're having that dialogue, what can we do? What can we do? How are we going to create change? Yes. Um, what was the answer and how is the food festival a part of the answer? So basically it was in January, right? When restaurants are, you know, notoriously slow and we're in the middle of a pandemic. So everybody was closed and it was like, how can we drive business revenue to our, to our businesses? So the idea then became a virtual food festival. If we do a lot of these collaborations where say, you know, I, I, my pizza place collabs with four different women-owned restaurants and we don't do the typical pizza that we have at Superfine. Instead, we do a Japanese pizza, a Mexican pizza, a Thai pizza, a Spanish pizza, you know, like to really like capture media attention, capture consumer attention to come to our restaurants other, you know, versus other restaurants because we're actually offering something really special, right? Something that you can't get all the time. Mm -hmm. So that was the idea. And it worked. So I, the idea is to bring people together to, and then to also, what was, when you say collaborate? Yes. Um, what do you, so what's going on there? What's that element? Yeah. So basically what ended up happening was, for instance, like I said, for Superfine, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to collaborate with four different women and we're going to offer a different pizza that we've never offered at Superfine before. And they've probably never done pizza at their restaurant, right? So for instance, I don't know if you know Nikki Nakayama, who's a Michelin star. It sounds chef familiar. Here. I've never had her on the show. Though. Yeah. So she's um, Nanaka. Nanaka. And so she basically, you know, well known. Everybody wants to go to her restaurant. You can't get in. Um, you know, the price point's really high. The food's super delicious. But you know, it's really hard to get in. So I asked her, I said, hey, listen, would you be willing to collaborate with me on a Japanese pizza. And she said, sure. I mean, I can't even tell you how crazy people went about this. It was to get this Michelin star chef to do a pizza. You know, I mean, that's a, that's an entry price point for everyone, right? It was like the $21 pizza. I mean, that's what we ended up doing. So then after I got her, because she would help uplift, uplift all the other women that I brought in, yeah. right? Including myself. So then I brought in like um, a woman who does Thai food near the airport, right? My favorite restaurant. I live near the airport. She's like my go-to for Thai food. I brought her in and said, will you do a Thai pizza? And then there was a Mexican food place, um, Casa Vega, which has been around forever. I had Christy, you know, will you do a Mexican pizza? And then um, I did a Spanish pizza with somebody from um, the Valley, right? Because I wanted to kind of get the whole geographic region. So I had a couple in the Valley, the Westchester, I had downtown. Then I had like Culver City, you know? The whole point of this festival was to bring attention to these women that um, we're trying to get, we're trying to drum up business for women, right? Yes. So by having a big event, by bringing in big names, by finding ways to collaborate, and, and you're basically creating a platform for this next generation of women Absolutely. to stand out. But you need influencers. You need that yes. those women who have achieved the Absolutely. Attention. Yes. So you, you bring them in, and yep. that's what's going on here. And then they're saying, check out this next generation. Yes. So that was your strategy. That was your plan yes. for, for uh, making an impact and in, in helping promote these women restaurants. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I'm just trying to figure out what we the, – I'm trying to show the listeners. If you have something that is near and dear to your heart yes. that you're trying to create a, awareness around, what's the strategy? Like how yes. do you do that? Yes. Like, get creative, right? So keep keep going on that that thread. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, basically that's what that festival was all about. So it was all about – 
you know, taking the women that had their names already out there and then pairing them with women that maybe, you know, aren't so well known or haven't been in the media yet. And then doing these collaborations, uh, you know, these crazy collaborations. I mean, if you go back to look at that list, it's crazy. You know, like Mary Sue Milliken, who's very well known, she did a hotville chicken taco at her place, you know? So yeah, you're exciting me right now. And I'm trying to like suppress yeah. my own thoughts and yeah. the excitement for things I want to do. Yes. But when I get to the point where I can tow an oven around the country, yes. I want to do calzone pop-ups and collaborations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just throw like, like, like crazy things inside calzones and half up. But right? just, the idea is just have fun with it. Have right? fun. And just like, and like, well, that's what food's about. Just like to, to enjoy Absolutely. and have fun with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And then put a camera on that. Right. You know? Well, that's, you know, that's funny that you say have fun because that was another one of our goals yeah. is let's just have fun. This has yeah. been so sad and dismal and terrible. Like how can we, like build some fun right now, not only for us as restaurant owners, but for the consumer who's just been, you know, at home, stuck at home, quarantined, you know, probably eating just the same takeout every day. Right. Yeah. So it's like we created this offering that was just insane. Yeah. So, um, back on the topic, um, I mean the, the whole initiative for regarding her yes. is to help, uh, grow, female careers in the yes. industry, right? Yes. Um, what's going on? Why is this an issue in the first place? Mm, God. You know, it, this is, uh, uh, you know, there's so many statistics on this. I mean, the one that comes to mind, well, two that come to mind. One is, you know, there are in culinary school, 54% are women, female graduates, mm. but yet only 7% um, of females are, are in the executive chef position, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, Where's that disconnect? What happens to that other percentage? Where do they go? Do they just drop out? Do they never make it to the top? I mean, we don't even know, right? Um, so we, we just want to make sure that we are doing our part of creating an environment that helps support these women to take them to that next level, right? And so the other thing, you know, that we did for this, um, no, so the festival was great, right? Yeah. And the goal of the festival was, A, to raise money, um, well, to um, bring revenue to women-owned restaurants, but it was also to raise money for a grant program okay. to basically get be able to create a grant program that we could then give money to women-owned restaurants that needed it. Well, th- I, during COVID, yeah. or to help them grow, or yeah. to help them do whatever it is they needed to do, right? And to pair that along with some mentoring or coaching, right? So. We started this grant program, $150,000. Last year, we gave away 15 women, 10,000 grand each. And basically, what um, they, what accompanied it was um, they got to meet with a financial um, planner to make sure that their financials are all in order for this, you know, this COVID situation. Um, they got to meet with an HR person because, you know, there are some HR issues during this time because whether it's, you know, people that have COVID or whether it's people that you had to lay off or, you know, there, there were those HR issues. And the other was marketing. Like, how do I stay relevant in this you know, in this whole situation, like what can I do? What kind of messages can I be sending? What kind of things can I be marketing? And so that was really our goal too, is to like uplift these women during this time. And now it's turned into like a mission. Like it's a, it's a thing. Like we're, we plan basically on doing the same program. Um, but, um, we want to do it every year 
and we want to do it in every region. Yeah. So, which is, I, listening to you talk, I couldn't help but to think about what you just described is what every restaurant should be doing with internally. Yes. For their people. Yes. Like it's about like creating opportunity for people, finding Absolutely. people, and putting them on a track to say, "Where are you going? What do you need? How can I help you get there? Let me use my resources and your vision to do something together." Yes. Right. Yes. And I don't know why we don't see it that way more often. I think everybody sees it. I think nobody has time or money for it. Yeah. And um, I, you know, I'd love to share something else that we're Please. doing here at Rosa Blue that I think is a really good um, tactical way to do exactly what you're talking about to kind of help grow people internally. So basically what happened was during this pandemic, same thing, I've been thinking about this and I was like, you know what, like cooks, there's no way they can learn. Like how are cooks supposed to learn? Because they come in, they prep for the service, they run the service, they break down their station and then their eight hours is done. And then they have to go because nobody wants to pay overtime, right? And so we started to think about this and I was like, we're never going to be able to grow cooks in this industry unless we try something a little bit different. So I, I, pitched this to my husband and I said, I, I want to do um, like a training program. And I said, I, 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 what do you think of like a mid shift program where if there is a cook that really wants to learn um, things like how to butcher, how to make pasta by hand, how to, you know, butcher fish, how to make sauces. I mean, whoever, whatever it is that they want to do. Right. I said, what do you think of the idea of having them come in at like noon? Yeah. Right. They come in at noon. They train for like the first three hours, right? So it's 12 to three, they train. Then they, then they prep their station, right? They run through the bulk of service, not the entire service, right? But the bulk of service so that it gets you through the rush. And then that, and then they go home after those eight hours, right? So they do say five hours of service. They do three hours of training on their own where they get to learn anything that they want to learn. And, um, you know, my husband's like, well, that's going to cost money. And I'm like, well, of course it is, but it's going to be worth it to have cooks that like are inspired and like learning and training and they won't leave because they'll want to stay in this program. And so he's like, okay, we'll see how that works, (laughs) you know? And so we tried it and it's been working. So how, like, what are you, so back to the conversation we had earlier, key performance indicators, tracking, measuring progress, things like that. Let's swing that into the conversation now. So when you implement this new program, yes. how do you track it to make sure that it is right, working? Right, right, right. So, I mean, well, you have to track it with labor costs, obviously. Yeah. I mean, and turnover, which, you know, it's fine. I'm, and, you know, employee happiness, right? Mm-hmm. And I can already tell. Like, so we've only done one case study so far, and she's so much happier than she was before, you know, we started this, you know, because now she's learning. And now all the other cooks are like, well, I want to do it now. How can I be a part of it? You know? And yes, listen, it's expensive, right? Because I have to have two people on the line now instead of just one, because someone needs to take over after the mid chef person leaves. Right. So it doesn't cost that much though. Right. It's a, it's a couple extra hours. So you're paying for what? Three extra hours a day. I mean, yes, it's a lot when you, when our margins are so slim, but again, it's totally worth it. What are you getting in return? And that that gets hard to track. Yeah. Because it's it's not like it's it's like that it's intangible things. Yeah, it's intangible. Know? It's 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 knowing that it's your people knowing that that you care for them. But like have you seen like a, a any type of data that support that this is working? I mean, not yet. I think it's still too new. Um, You know, ask me next year. I'll probably have some data for you. I will have some data for you and how it works. Um, But I I guess the intangibles for me that I'm hoping to see are, well, 
um, you know, employee satisfaction for sure. That's super important to us. Um, and then retention, mm-hmm. like, will, will they stay longer because they have these opportunities now? Right. Um, and actually, so Brittany and I, we've been talking about this a lot and, um, we actually probably want to start a nonprofit that does just this, that actually pays for these young, you know, up and coming cooks to do the program like this and that it's paid by this program. That's just going to be like a, you know, like a workforce development program. So that's our next step. That's (laughs) That's our next goal. Yeah. Keep me posted for sure. I love. We haven't, excuse me. We haven't talked about um, the independent uh, hospitality coalition. Yes. So what's that? Okay. So that started also during the pandemic, literally the day, you know, we all closed our restaurants, you know, that Sunday, whatever it was, March 16th or whatever. The next day there were, um, oh gosh, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of us on a Zoom, um, just trying to figure out like, what do we do? Should we get together? How do we, how do we make this happen? Right. And so there was a smaller group of like 10 of us that decided, okay, we need to make sure that the government, the local government here knows what we need to kind of stay, uh, open, right? Like, what is it? What is it we're going to need? And I will tell you, there was a lot of, a lot of regulations, um, rules that we're going to get, um, established had we not been there to fight them right it was basically what were uh, the rules that, that oh you God. uh prevented from happening? so there was one that was um having to pay sick leave for for covid okay which we do already now but it was um there was some crazy rules i can't remember it was two years ago but there was yeah. some crazy rule where You'd have to pay all this sick leave to all your employees that that have been like, um, you know, put on pause while you were closed. It's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. If we had to pay every single employee, we'd that's like everything. Like we'd have to close. Um, that was one. And how many people are going to take advantage of that to oh. say like, oh, like yeah, they can't challenge me. They're not no. allowed to challenge. No, me. I know. It's like I I don't feel good. Like. Where's my sick? Like I know. My COVID sick leave. Like, I know. It's unfortunate. I you know. know, but it's true. Too. I know. Yeah. It really was. Um, and then the there was another one where when you brought people back, you had to go by seniority. Okay. No matter what, no matter what role. So say your dishwasher was like you know had been there for twenty years, right? You'd have to bring that dishwasher back before you brought back a server right and then and you'd have to try and train that dishwasher in that server position like whatever position you needed and it was like what like how how are we gonna do this don't work in restaurants clearly no i mean seriously we're like we're gonna so we'll have to bring it you know like for us right the people that have been here the longest are have been um some of our cooks uh, some our dishwasher bartender that's fine yeah but then what do we do like who sir who's who are the servers right it was crazy yeah so we um we fought against that rule and we won but so, yes so, so this is mostly around COVID 19 this yes this coalition um where do you think we're headed yes with everything yeah huh everything well i do think that um you know we have to rethink restaurants and the way that they're run. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, COVID has given us a great example that you can be more than just a restaurant, right? You don't have to just be a restaurant. You can actually 
be a supermarket. You can be a wine yeah. wine store. You could you think, could be serving your community. Think you know? outside the box. Yeah. Offer something else. Uh, yeah, yeah. Offer something else. Like what are the what are your diverse revenue streams? You know that are going to keep you going as a restaurant. Is it a consumer product good? Is it you know whatever it is? Is it classes? Events. Yeah. Events. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever Activities, it is. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's definitely one thing. Um, and then you know the second is at least here in, in Los Angeles is you know, we need a different model. Uh, We need to figure it out. We need to figure out, is it raising prices? Is it, is it a service charge? Like how are we going to cover our labor costs? Yeah. So Uh, that's, that's a big, so what I've been saying a lot in the show and I kind of delivered the question differently today, but again, the the mission is to inspire, empower, transform Mm -hmm, the industry. mm -hmm. Now this idea of transformation, what does transformation look like? Yes. Different business models. has been a big part of that. Um, What business models excite you? Which business models are you considering? Right. Um, so we are considering a couple things. Um, well, one, before the pandemic, we had already been doing classes. Um, you know, we really like the idea of education. My husband loves to teach. Hans loves to teach. I love to teach, yeah. you know. So the idea of like a hospitality school, in a sense, right? Especially because we're coming up also with this um, mid-shift program and this like cook training program. Um, we have like a vision of creating almost like a hospitality camp. And now is that going to make us a lot of money? Um, No, probably not. But it's going to help transform the industry. It's going to make it a better place. And maybe in some way or form long term, it could come around. It could. It could. It could. A new opportunity for it. Could. It could. Yes. Um, But but you just can't track those things. No. This is so hard to track. You just have to have faith. Yeah, exactly. Well, we have a lot of faith here. (laughs) Uh, I love today's conversation. I do want to leave time for um, a speed round. Yes. Uh, So if you haven't, if there's anything else you want to get out, now's the time to get it out before we take one more break to thank our sponsors. Yeah, no, I just, I just want everyone to check out regarding her food.com. Okay. Everyone needs to see support women owned restaurants. We have great guide. We have a great guide for if you're in Los Angeles, we have one now in DC. We just launched our DC chapter. Um, We just met with women in Philly and Boston. We're probably going to launch there so just want everybody to know keep an eye out because we we hope to be in uh, many regions across the country and i'll be the first person to admit to admit i'm going to go on record here that there is an imbalance between men and women that get on the show and people have called me out on that i'm like i literally don't even i try not to even decide who comes on the show there's a reason why i ask my guests who do they respect and admire because i want the the industry to decide who should be made an example of. right so I would love to connect with you. In oh my the, god! The, I would. I will connect you everywhere. Yeah, like let because me know. it needs to be intentional, just as you exactly. said. So, like, I can reach out to your your chapters and like let me know who's who the leaders are, yes. the women leaders are. I'll try to get as many of them on the show. For I you, love it. Love the, thank just, you. Like, that would be show. great. Um, so one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited 
unlimited commission-free orders through ChowNow's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about ChowNow. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guest. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with ChowNow Direct. ChowNow Direct is ChowNow's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. With ChowNow Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Plate IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Plate IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Plate IQ card. With Plate IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with Play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now, I've told you what's new with Plate IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Plate IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Plate IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH, or Play IQ card. Also with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more flow. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to, no more duplications of efforts, and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. We're back, and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? It's a strength. Awesome. So uh, I've said this before in this podcast. Um, I just stay open and flexible. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Uh, because I stay open and flexible. <laughs> That's my biggest weakness. No, my biggest weakness is not managing my time better. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing to be a better time manager? Maybe it's because you say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I do plan my day. I mean, I do plan it from, you know, the start to the finish. Um, and I try and stay on schedule. Mm-hmm. I use something called the Panda Planner, just Ooh, so that everybody knows. Panda Planner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that like a technique? 
Um, it's just you know, it's like a, literally like a planner, oh. that, like where you write everything down, but then it also talks to you about how you're feeling that day. Uh, you know, what's your inspirational quote for the day? Like you know, it just kind of keeps you very focused on your day. Got it. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? Compassion. Mm, how do you know somebody's compassionate? You know, you can tell when you talk to people. I, yeah. lo- I look for what lights them up. Got it. What is one of your biggest challenges today? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Answering this question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I, okay. I know. So there are a lot of opportunities coming our way, um, right now. And that's kind of my biggest challenge is which ones do we pick? Mm. Yeah. Share one code of conduct or behavior, a core value you teach your team. Oh, well, that's, I mean, we talked about this, yeah. but yeah, compassion stuff. It's, yeah. it's the number one always. There's a theme. Yes. Yes. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So something that's common throughout your restaurants, not common throughout the industry to, to go above and beyond. Yes. Um, I like to say, learn some, one thing new about someone. Like every day. I love that. Yes. Um, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or a restaurant operator? You know, I don't read books. It's so funny. Oh, audio. I don't. Yeah. Podcasts? I do. Okay. So as a woman, uh, and as there's this great podcast, um, her name is uh, Chris Plackey. And it's about leadership as a as a woman. Is it K-R-I-S? Uh, K-R-I-S-P-L-A-C-H-Y. And she basically talks about leadership um, when you're a woman and what that's like. Got it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Hmm. I don't know. Talk to their team members. See how they're feeling. Mm, that's a good one. Uh, what is one service that you've outsourced or hired? Something that you know uh, you can never do as well as somebody who's out, how, like, you know, that's not within your team to just contract it out and to have them do it. Uh, social media. <laughs> who do you pro- contract out? For social um, media? A friend of mine that I've been, we've been friends forever. Joy Limonon from Peridot Consulting. She's amazing. Peridot Consulting. Yes. Can you say that one more time? Yeah. Peridot. P-E-R-I-D-O-T. Got it. Consulting. What is, you should talk to her, by the way. She's okay. amazing. <laughs> nice. Maybe we can do a workshop. Yes. I'm all for it. Yes. Yeah. That'd, that'd be awesome. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted within your restaurants that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along these lines. Basecamp. Basecamp. Yes. What is Basecamp? Basecamp. It's basically a project managing database. You know, you can like put everything in there that you've got going on, make sure you're staying on track with all that. You can assign it to assign topics to people to take care of. It's awesome. Awesome. Is there a free level to that too? I there think? is. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. Are you guys still on the free level or have you no, graduated? No, we've graduated. <laughs> we have too How many things work? going on. How do the tiers work? Do you know? Uh, you know, it's not that expensive to be honest. I mean, it's maybe like $99. I mean, that sounds expensive. $99 a month, maybe something yeah. like that, but it's so worth it. Beautiful. So worth it. This is the last question. Okay. It's a doozy. Okay. Hold on. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? Oh my God. That is a doozy. It is a doozy. Three pieces. All right. Um, build a community around you. One. Um, yeah. I mean, take care of yourself. Two. <laughs> and, um, oh, 
gosh. I got one locked and loaded already. I'm you do? Ba- that, that I'm going to say? It's been a theme of today's episode. <laughs> well, I know. But that's so easy, though. Be, you know, be compassionate. <laughs> that's I a mean, good one, have though. Compassion. Wow. It is. It's your time to shine. If you want to give it a different third, feel yeah, free. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's it. That's okay. a good one. Beautiful. Yes. Awesome. I've loved today's yeah. conversation, Tina. Thank you so much. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. Ah. Who do you respect? And admire and believe we'd make a great guest mentor like you made for us today. Oh my God. You, you have to talk to Mary Sue Milligan. Mary, Mary Sue Milligan. She's one of my co our co founders at Regarding Her. She's been in this industry 40 years. Um, she's. What's the Southwest restaurant that she is? Yeah, Border the, Grill. That's right. And now she has I, I, Sokolo. She's right. been on TV shows. She's had, you know, radio shows. I mean, she's amazing. And she's like literally the driving force for equity in this industry for women. And she's amazing. I am, I, I am very familiar, not super familiar, but yeah. like, I remember her early, early, early on when I was first getting started. I actually reached out to her. Yes. But it was like when like Restaurant Unstoppable had like 10 episodes. <laughs> so like she was like, who is this? What's a podcast? Yeah. Uh, I would love to try again. She didn't take the meeting? Perfect. So oh, I'd love to make that happen. Yes. Your partner. Yes. Anybody else? Uh, oh. You said I should talk to your partner. Oh, yeah. Just call them out so I can say. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Oh. Hans Lutman. I mean, my partner here yeah. at Rosso Blue, he's amazing. He's been a driving force for our culture here at Rosso Blue, and I think you'd love to speak to him. Thank you so much. Look out, Hans. I'm coming after you. Uh, look out, Mary, Mary Sue, right? Yeah, Mary, Mary Sue, Sue Milligan. I'm, I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and I, I just can't say thank you enough, Tina. Uh, you, there's, just thank you for being a shining light of uh, what can be different, what can be better, and then to to going to work to make that happen. Uh, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Oh, thanks so much. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to today's guest, Dina Sampson, for coming on the show, sharing your knowledge, and uh, getting that that perspective, that female perspective. We need more of it in the industry. Special thanks to also Brittany Vaez for recommending Dina. And uh, man, I'm actually really excited to hopefully be tapping into the regarding her network. Uh, Really excited. Something I've been trying to be more mindful of recently is to get more uh, females on the show and people to represent more diversity on the show. Uh, So I think we're well on our way to doing that, hopefully with tapping into the network over at regarding her. So uh, looking forward to that. And also I wanted to let you guys know we have some cool stuff going on over at restaurant unstoppable network. Uh, we have Abhinav Kapoor joining us, the CEO of Bikki, a CRM, Customer Relationship Management Platform. Uh, this is actually a Q&A that we've been trying to set up now for a couple months, so we finally found time to do that Monday today at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. If you want to learn more about Bikki and to improve your marketing efforts, be sure to join us for that Q&A. Uh, we also have uh, part three of the onboarding to a enterprise solution. So basically what we have is Bob Sloop, somebody you hear a lot on the show. He's very active in the network. Uh, He is taking a new client step-by-step through the onboard process to compete, which is owned by Restaurant 365. Those two platforms will be merging in the future. So if you're interested in a accounting, scheduling, all-in-one inventory management solution, uh, be sure to join the network and check out those recordings of that, of that onboarding process so you can kind of get a, a, a glimpse of what it takes to, to implement a tool like this. And then lastly, Wednesday, May 4th at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the uh, 
chief strategy officer for Miso Robotics joining us. So if you're interested in learning more about implementing robotics in your restaurant and you have questions for the chief strategy officer, Jake Brewer, be sure to join us at 12 p.m. May 4th uh, this Wednesday. And then right off the heels of that, I'm headed to New York City. I'm going to be getting David Rodelitz from Fly Fish Club, a complete NFT operating restaurant. And I'm reconnecting with a past guest, Kevin O'Donnell, to uh, just pick up where he left off. And that's what's happening. So stay tuned. Until next time, peace out.